It's football time in the bluegrass. You're listening to the KSR Football Podcast. Welcome into the KSR Football Podcast. I'm Nick Roush, and we're getting weird again. For the second time in three weeks, I'm not going to be joined by Drew Franklin, Freddie Maggard, and Charles Walker. Instead, we got another special conversation with a former Wildcat, Brent Wayne Scott. You've seen some of his work on KentuckySportsRadio.com, and you've probably liked some of his posts on our Instagram page or Facebook page as well. He sat down with former UK wide receiver Chris Matthews, who uh, had a hell of a season in 2010, helped the Cats take down Steve Spurrier. He went nuts at Paul Brown Stadium. He was Randall Cobb's right-hand man. Today, he's going to talk about some of those stories, but more importantly, he's going to talk to us about the Super Bowl before the Chiefs get ready to take on the Bucks in Super Bowl 55. He almost won a Super Bowl with the Seattle Seahawks, an unlikely hero that if they just gave the ball to Marshawn Lynch at the goal line, he could have been Super Bowl MVP. It's crazy. He talks about that whirlwind of an experience and much, much more in this incredibly enlightening conversation with the talented Brent Wainscott. Enjoy. And peep the technique. So this is Brent Wainscott with Kentucky Sports Radio, and I am honored to be joined by Chris Matthews, who played wide receiver at Kentucky for two years. And in the 2010 season, he actually uh, had 61 receptions, 925 yards, and nine touchdowns, which are all in the top 10 for single-season marks in uh, UK history. So, Chris, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. I'm, I'm glad to be on, and uh, I haven't heard those stats in a long time, so it feels good to hear it. Listen, over at UK, we're uh, we're needing them. Do you think you can suit back up or anything like that? <laughs> I got some on the way. I know that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, you know, starting off with UK, um, you know, you had a really special 2010 season. 2009 was pretty solid as well. Uh, but what is, what is your favorite memory and moment from your playing days at UK? Uh, my favorite memory, I want to say was, uh, going into that 2010 year, starting off with training camp. Um, it was, it was, it was a time where I had to grow up fast, you know, you know, as you, you know, previously stated that I've only spent two, I was only spent two years at Kentucky. Um, so I didn't have much time to really you know, figure out what's going on and how to move, how to maneuver between, uh, you know, uh, positions and stuff like that. And with coaching staff, with the different coaching staffs and stuff like that. So it was more of like um, just trying to get on board. And, you know, that's where I give, uh, you know, my boy Randall uh, his praise because he helped push me along. Um, when I first got there, Coach Joker was our receiver coach at the time. Um, he had, he, you know, he had said something of, uh, you know, along the lines of like, uh, you know, Randall's that's, this is going, you, this, this is going to be your big little brother. And I'm like, all right, all right. I get it. I get it. And so, you know, 
we we just gelled together. He, you know, taught me some things. I taught him some things, and we just found a mesh that that helped uh, bring that the, that team together as one nucleus, and um, it was just very special for me. Yeah. So you talk about Randall. What you know? What exactly did he do that was so instrumental in your growth into that offseason? Uh, just uh, just being there, uh, really challenging each other. Um, I remember um, we had a conversation with, um, I want to say it was Chad Johnson. Um, it was like the end of our, the, in the end of my first year, the 29 season. And I think it was, I think it was Chad uh, that we talked to and he was just saying that, uh, you know, you need to challenge each other. No, 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 I'm sorry, not Chad. It was uh, Stevie Johnson. Uh, he would, you know, he would tell us like, you gotta, you guys gotta challenge each other, push each other. And, you know, and that was something that, you know, we both looked at each other, like I'm gang, you know, you're a competitor, I'm a competitor, let's do it. And so we started off with just, uh, I think the first time was, you know, who could, uh, who, who's going to have the first drop uh, of, of today's practice. And then it went from, instead of that day, it went for the whole week to the whole month to, you know, the rest of the season of who's going to have the fewest drops, you know, and that was something that really uh, pushed me and uh, kept, you know, kept us all going. We, you know, I remember, you know, going to the cat uh, after the, after the cat center with tutoring, we would go back to the facility and we would just go in there and catch jugs. We either catch footballs or tennis balls, just make sure our, our hand-eye coordination was there. And, you know, that's also a testament to uh, T Martin who helped us uh, understand that we needed to, uh, work on our game as well instead of just playing it well you mentioned catching all those different things and we're going to get into your uh time in seattle later but did you ever catch fish you know like they always do on sunday night football they always <laughs> I, I, actually, I actually fish. did do it once i should have captured it but this is like right at the right at the beginning peak of instagram so it wasn't like it was just super popular to be recording stuff and and putting it on the ground yeah, yeah. so you but mentioned I did catch one though for sure Okay, sweet, sweet. So you you did mention Stevie Johnson. Um, mm -hmm. You know, 2008, uh, I think that was Randall's first year. Mm -hmm. um, and But that 2007 team for Kentucky was really beloved. You know, they beat LSU, good. beat Louisville. They had some dogs at the wide receiver room. Dickie Lyons Jr., Stevie Johnson, Keenan Burton, Tammy at tight end. What was it like following in those footsteps? And was there a certain kind of pressure that you guys felt uh, to follow up after after them? Uh, it wasn't a, it wasn't any pressure at all. Honestly, they were they were extremely helpful. Um, they went above and beyond. I remember we <laughs> me and Randall, we wanted to uh, join a fraternity and they were just picking us up every day, trying to take us over here, telling us what we should do, telling us what we shouldn't do. And you know, things like that, uh, you know, football, football wise, they were, you know, I, I mean, I know I would for sure get a phone call or a text uh, either the day before or the day of, and they'll just ask me, you know, where's my mind at? How am I, how am I approaching the game? You know, just, just being around those guys, it made, it made it, it made it comfortable. It made it easy for us to go out there and just play. And, you know, being that I'm all the way from, you know, all the way from California and, coming over here to Kentucky, I didn't understand the, the, the traditions and the rivalries that we had. And, you know, it just kind of just grew on me as time, you know, as time went on. And, you know, now it's just, you know, 
it's just a love for the game. And, you know, I still talk to these guys, you know, I haven't talked to Stevie Johnson in a minute. Uh, you know, I don't know where he went. He's just, you know, out doing his thing, but I see, I see people still talking about him. So I know he's, you know, still doing something good, uh, you know, with his life and, you know, Kenan Burton, you know, I talk to him every now and then and, uh, Tammy, I haven't talked to him in a minute, but, uh, um, a good, uh, another good friend, um, that I, you know, talk to even now to the, to, to this day is Tim Couch. Um, you know, we have conversations of, you know, t- checking up on each other's kids and our well-being and, um, it was just, it, it, it was just an amazing time to, you know, to go to Kentucky and play at the highest level against the, you know, uh, some of the top teams in the, in the world. Now do players, um, you know, Kentucky football has been a completely different space than it was when you guys played. Are there still players from, you know, back when you played Randall played Steven, all them, do, are they still, um, reaching out to players today, are they still within the program? Or where it's been a minute, it's, it's kind of separated, but is the, is the thumbprint still there? No, actually, absolutely. It's still there. Uh, I, I even still talk to uh, to people when I can. Um, the, la- the, the last person I was able to, to really um, get my hands on and talk to and, and actually work out with was uh, uh, Stefan. Um, he, was, he was a guy who came out here uh, he was actually working out with uh, with Tim uh, with uh, Calhoun, Coach Calhoun, who's a receiver coach and a uh, quarterback coach for the um, you know for players in the NFL. And it was me and Keenan. I mean, not Keenan Burton, uh, Keenan Allen. We were out there working out, and uh, he came out there and he was throwing a ball. And you know, I I I, I you know I glimpsed at him like okay I. Like I've seen him before. I just couldn't put, you know, a, a name to it. And then, you know, once he entered, you know, we introduced ourselves. I'm like, okay, it's, it's all love from here. You know, we're both wildcats. I got you, bro. I am not going to drop no passes today. Now you said Stefan, did you mean Steven, Steven Johnson? I mean, Steven, Steven. Okay. Yeah, yeah. My bad. My bad. That's all good. Just wanted to clear that up. Cause I, I, I you know, I didn't remember the time when uh, Stefan Diggs played for Kentucky, but man, we, we, uh, <laughs> we could have used him for some years. Um, uh, you mentioned you mentioned you did you are from California. You even played JUCO in Cali. Ended up playing your NFL uh, ball on the West Coast. So, yeah. what was the transition like going from the West Coast to Kentucky? And what was the appeal to come to Lexington um, after spending all that time out in the West? I mean, that's a good question. Um, I can actually start off with uh, you know what what was the deciding factor. Uh, so coming out of junior college, I was the number one ranked uh, wide receiver. Um, I had teams from all over the place, Oregon, SC, UCLA, Florida, Alabama, LSU, like actual, you know, substantial universities that you would love to be a part of and, and grow with. Um, I had bad grades. <laughs> this is basically what got down to it. And I was exactly. trying to do the catch up game and trying to catch up and, and not miss the train with all these great, you know, all these great universities is trying to, you know, come after me. And, you know, sure enough, one by one, they just kept falling and falling and falling. It went from, it went from them calling me every, every other day to now, let me, let me reach out to him. You know, let me, let me check this. And, you know what I'm saying? It, 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 uh, it, it, it diminished my confidence in myself, um, honestly, because I'm thinking about, I'm just thinking about football. I'm not thinking about grades or anything. I'm just thinking about football. Like, is there somebody out there better than me? That's what I'm starting to think. And, you know, it just, you know, 
uh, one guy, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to divorce his name, but uh, he was a coach at uh, Oklahoma at one point. Um, he basically was just telling me, he was like, yeah, man, it's just your grades. Like people are scared of you because you don't have the grades to move on. And so, you know, once I heard that, I went straight to lockdown mode and, you know, I pulled everything back up. But by that time that I had everything back up, which was the end of the school year, everybody pretty much had their set rosters on who they wanted to pick up and, and all of this. And so I'm like, basically, you know, asked out. So I'm like, I'm walking through the, I'm walking through the, the hallways, trying to get to class and I walk right past my, uh, my ad and you know he just asked me a question like you know what have you have you picked a school to go to and i'm like no nah, honestly i don't have any school to go to long story short he makes a phone call to uh steve ordermeyer steve ordermeyer and them talk i guess they're best friends uh from what i found out is that they're best friends and at that time steve ordermeyer was the tight end slash uh, uh special teams coach I get a phone. Uh, I get a phone call like 30 minutes after he had called them and sent over my 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 film and stuff. 30 minutes back, I get a phone call. And they're talking about yeah, they're they're gonna offer you they're gonna offer you a scholarship right now. And I'm like, wait for real? Like right now? <laughs> All right, let's do it. I'm I'll sign it right now. I don't need to visit. I don't need to do none of that. I'm ready to get up out of here and go play some football in the SEC. You know. And then my favorite color is blue. And I'm like, we wear blue. And I'm like, yeah, this is it. This is where I need to be. Didn't even look at the roster, nothing. But uh, so that happened. And now I'm sitting up here in a situation where there's, you know, I'm actually doing good now in school. And, you know, the teams that were initially on were initially uh, attracted to me are now coming back because I, I, I mean, I guess there, you know, things wasn't falling. I mean, wasn't falling in play to what they were looking for out there. And so I was getting phone calls, emails, and people sending stuff to my house. And I'm like, I I can't do it. Like Kentucky stuck with me through the hard time. And I'm a big person with loyalty. So I just felt like it was a loyalty thing just for me to stick with Kentucky, even though I could have easily just been like, all right, yeah, I'm out of here. I'm going to LSU, which is my dream school, that was my dream school to go to uh, uh, LSU. So, you know, like I said, loyalty plays a big part of mine. And I just wanted to uh, stick with that. And that's where I ended up. And that's how I ended up at uh, Kentucky. So looking looking back on it, you know, it sounds like it wasn't your, your first choice, but it sounds like it worked out well, you know, for everybody in the end. And that kind of gets me to uh, my next point. You said you were getting looked at by Alabama, Florida, LSU. Um, and what's crazy about that is, you know, a lot of people say that we are currently in the golden age of wide receivers in SEC yes. football. But you guys had a good case, too. I mean, looking at the at the leaderboard for receiving yards when you played in your last year, uh, it's, it's guys like Alshon Jeffrey at South Carolina, Julio Jones at Alabama. Randall was up there. Um, and you, you came at six on the list with receiving yards, and you were ahead of A.J. Green. Mm -hmm. um, and you were number one on the leaderboard on receiving touchdowns as well. So what was it like to play in the SEC at, at the position, you know, that was just really popping off? And did you feel like you had to prove, 
you know, like, hey, like I belong here. Like I'm just as good um, as you guys. Um, honestly, no. I, like I said, I got to the point where um, it was just me and my uh, my my closest friend, DeQuinn Evans. You know, we both came from the same junior college, and we were just staying together. And you know, we just kept beating it in our head, like we're not worried about anybody. Uh, DeQuinn, his, his his level of success compared to mine was just a, was just ahead of was ahead of mine. So, you know, he got to see a little bit more things than I than I got to see. So it wasn't nothing where I was like, yeah, I'm competing. No, I was uh, thinking like, no, I'm trying to get drafted. <laughs> like, I'm trying to hurry up and get this over with so I can go to the NFL and get drafted and play on the team and all of that. So that's where my head was. But there was a time where I did um, feel like I had to uh, step up and uh, put my name on a map was against Georgia. Um, we were competing, they were, they were comparing AJ Green to me. We both wore number eight. They were coming to our house. I, I can remember like it was yesterday. Um, I wake up in the morning, I'm driving to class at, at the Whitehall and I see this huge billboard of uh, a number eight in clear, I mean, in blue, in blue, uh, in blue color that says ours is better. And I'm like, whoa, like this is real. <laughs> you know, what I'm I've never, I've never thought I would have ever seen anything like that in my life. But boom, you got pictures, you got posters, everything is going up. And I'm like, okay, boom, we get to the game. <clears throat> I go outside, I go outside on a jumbotron. They have an eight. A blue eight, a red eight with the uh, with the the the, um, the slash in between it, and I'm just like, this is like something really serious. I'm going outside, I'm warming up. Um, everybody's coming to talk to me. They're like, oh, there he goes, right there. There he goes. There he goes. My side is pointing over there to AJ Green. His side is over there pointing to us, and I'm like, like. I've never, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is so surreal. Like, I I kind of have to, you know what I'm saying? Like, I kind of have to do good out here, guys. Like, you've been pumping it up. And, um, I mean, I started off a little shaky in the game, but after a while, I just calmed myself down and I just started playing and uh, I ended up having a good game. It wasn't the best game of my, of my career, but it was definitely uh, a good one for sure. You mentioned that wasn't your best game of your career, but undoubtedly, you know, your best game was at home against South Carolina. I know Absolutely. a lot of people remember uh, Mike Hartline laying on the ground and, you know, pumping the fist, Randall Cobb last touchdown. But, you know, you set, I think it was the fourth most receiving yards in a game for a Kentucky Wildcat. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was, don't quote, 177 yards against mm -hmm. them. They were top 10 in the country. You know, Alshon Jeffrey was – plan for them did you feel that sort of same thing going into that or was that just like a loose like hey like we can beat these dudes we can beat Steve Spurrier and the game Cox yeah no absolutely we were thinking about that um it's you know it's I don't want to I don't want it to come off as like I was just uh oblivious to what was going on but like I said I was just so focused in me and keeping myself intact and, and doing the best that I can do, that I wasn't really worrying about who we were going up against or who was on the team. Like, I wasn't looking up nobody's stats, trying to figure out who was on the team. So 
that being said, I didn't even know who Alshon Jeffrey was until we were in getting drafted, trying to get drafted. I'm like, damn, who the hell is, where did he come from? Like, I don't remember him. Um, but that's no, I don't, I don't, I don't want that to be a shot to Alshon. Um, he's a, he, you know, he's a great player for sure. And uh, he was a great player in college as well, but I just didn't, I just didn't know. Uh, the only thing I knew about was, you know, Steve Spurrier saying that, you know, you know, Chris Matthews is pretty good over there as well. We have to watch out for him. And that was it. Like, I didn't, I didn't worry about anything else. Uh, I just knew that this team was ranked and we had them. We were playing against them on our field. So we had to beat them. Um, that was the only thing that I ever, that was ever going through my mind when it came to, uh, uh, you know, came to teams or even rivalries with, you know, uh, with uh, Louisville or, or Tennessee. You know, it's funny you, you mentioned that because, uh, you know, if you can get Steve Spurrier bragging about you, like you've, you've done something like that dude is very close to the, to the best when it comes to, you know, bragging opponents. Just that, my third. Um, and in fairness, you know, Alshon Jeffrey was good, but you know, he was like a quiet good. And like, I think mm -hmm. it was uh, Marcus Lattimore. I think he was still, yeah. I mean, that dude was a stud. So, I mean, you know, I, 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 I can understand that approach. I don't think that's any shade. Um, at all but you know like you said you were focused on on doing you mm -hmm. and your future so much so that um you wanted to get to the next level mm -hmm. after college you know it didn't happen for you immediately and then you know four years goes by and uh you get a call from the seahawks uh, can, what was that process like and how did that go like what was the call like and when did you know that you were about to be a part of seattle uh it was it was it was a tricky time. Um, I, I'm, I'm gonna be uh, quite honest here. Uh, I didn't think I was even gonna make it out there. I was just coming off of an injury uh, in Canada the year before, where I had uh, just messed up my tailbone in the beginning of the year, and then I turned around, played two games, and I came back, and I ended up uh, getting turf toe that put me out for the rest of the year. Uh, so I'm sitting up here and I'm like, damn, like, I got to come back and do this again and try again and try to get back in the NFL. But, you know, right when the season was over with, my agent was like, have you been working out? I'm like, yeah, I've been working out, but, you know, I don't know. My toe still hurts. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my first workout was uh, Kansas City. I went out there and worked out with them. Total shit show. It was not good at all for me. Um, I was just still like trying to, you know, grasp the concept of having the turf toe and what I was able to do in my limitations. Um, so that wasn't bad. I was already, so that was, you know, strike one, I was already discouraged. Um, then I kind of got a boost of confidence because I was supposed to go to Green Bay next and uh, work out with them. But then Seattle called, um, I honestly, like, three, four days before I was supposed to go. My flight was already booked to go to Green Bay, but they had called a couple of days before. It was like, we want you to come over here, come work out with us real quick before you go over there. And I'm like, all right, whatever. I go out there, it's freezing in the VMAC, like ridiculously freezing. <laughs> I was, I had to stretch for like almost an hour just to be warm, to feel like I was ready to, to run. I go out there and, it, it that wasn't even great. I still didn't have um, the explosion that I really wanted, you know, be able to cut on a dime like I used to. 
um, all that played into, a, you know, play, you know, played in the factor of, you know, me thinking like, yeah, this is over with. I'm probably not even going to go to Green Bay and waste their time. And then sure enough, after the workout ended, I had a I had an OK workout. I didn't drop a ball. But it just it just didn't look right to me. It felt like um, they was like, yeah, you know, I was like, yeah, it was, it was kind of cold, but. I could do it again. Like I'll, I'll, I'll do this workout over again. And um, I remember Pete Carroll was like, no, it's all good. It's all good. Don't even worry about it, man. I got you. And I'm like, all right, cool. Boom. That goes by. I want to say like a week goes by. Next thing you know, <clears throat> my agent calls me. He was like, you, he was like, you sitting down big fella. And I'm like, yeah, like what's going on? He's like, yeah, well, you're going to the the he's like you're going to the Seahawks and I'm like oh hell yeah I'm like and I'm looking I'm looking at my phone I'm like oh it's about to be Super Bowl time I'm about to get a Super Bowl ring you know what I'm saying I'm thinking like, I'm just not totally oblivious to what's going on and you know how this how the structure works but I'm just thinking I'm telling everybody all my friends like yeah I'm about to get the Super Bowl if they win I'm about to get a ring if they win and all this and I go down, I dress up in a suit and everything. I'm ready to sign this contract. The day I the day I uh, flew in and walked in to sign my contract was the day they were actually leaving to go to the Super Bowl. So I'm like, oh, yep, I'm, I made the bus. I can't, I can't wait. Signed it. I'm thinking that I'm about to get on the bus. And they're like, all right, well, we'll take you back to the hotel. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, I thought I was going with y'all. <laughs> I'm a part, I'm a Seahawk now. Yeah, I don't mean to butt in, but I just want to be sure. This is because uh, they went back to back. This is ahead of their Super Bowl against the Broncos, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. the one that they won. All yes. right, just, I just wanted to be sure about that before yeah. a later discussion. So, but yeah, it was just um, it was it, it was it was just a great moment. Period. Whether I was able to go or not, it was just a great moment knowing that I had a chance to to get back in the NFL and get on a team. And that was from there. That was when my confidence shot right back up and I had to go back out and uh, really push myself to, you know, to get my toe back to where it, it, you know, if not perfect, at least close to it. And that's where I went on from there. So, yeah, that gets me to, you know, another question I had. In the Super Bowl, which is one of the reasons why we have you on here, because it is Super Bowl week, um, Al Michaels famously says after your first catch in the Super Bowl, he was at Foot Locker a few weeks ago, and now he signed with Seattle. Is that a true story? Were you actually, like, at Foot Locker when they gave you the call? No, I was not at Foot Locker. Um, It was kind of like one of those – you remember the telephone game that we used to play when we were kids where you yes. tell somebody one thing and then it has to travel around the whole class and then you hear what they saying at the end. That's kind of what it was. I remember I, I was, you know, I was with the team and then they released me for like a solid month where I just wasn't, I wasn't doing anything. My pops, you know, my pops is an LAPD officer. So he's all the way, he was all the way like, we need to go get a job, go, <laughs> go make some money get out the house. And I'm like, okay, I'll go get a security job uh, in Compton, California, where I'm just, you know, watching over houses and stuff like that. And um, I applied for, you know, jobs that I would much rather, you know, wanted to do. Like, I love shoes. I want to work with, you know, a shoe company. That's what I was thinking. And I had just applied for them the week that I had got the phone call. So I come back and, um, 
you know, Doug and Jermaine and all of them were asking me like, oh, bro, what were you doing out there? And I was like, well, I was, you know, trying to get a job at Foot Locker, trying to get some extra shoes. And he was like, you know, everybody just started laughing and stuff like that. Like, and then next thing you know, it comes out that I actually was working there, but it, I'm not gonna lie to you, it worked in my favor because then I started getting endorsements from YMCA, Foot Locker, and I'm traveling all the way over here just for premieres and stuff like that. So I'm like, hey, if that's what y'all want the story to be, I'll ride with it. <laughs> it sounds like it worked out. Um, and so, you know, since we are talking about your stint with Seattle before the Super Bowl in which you were just an absolute star, you mentioned that you had a workout with Seattle. You were supposed mm -hmm. to go to Green Bay uh, three or four days later. Mm -hmm. Did you blow off that workout with Green Bay or did it just like not work out or Seattle gave you the call beforehand? It just never, it, 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 it never manifested because, uh, you know, my agent, he told me I was, you know, right after the uh, the workout with Seattle, you know, we were having a conversation and I was like, uh, so am I still going? to Green Bay and he was like, yeah, well, you know, let me call them and get some more information on see if we can get you out there next week. And I'm like, okay, bet. So the following week comes up where I'm supposed to be leaving on that Monday training. I mean, the workout was on Tuesday. Uh, I get the phone call and they're saying like, yeah, uh, you know, we want you up here. And I'm like, okay, well, let's go to, you know, let's go to um, Seattle. See, so, so I had to ask that because there's an elephant in the room I need to address because life comes full circle. Mm -hmm. I am a diehard Green Bay Packer fan. Mm. So we get to the 2015 NFC Championship. Mm -hmm. um, I believe you were on special teams. You were on special teams. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the onside kick, you recover the ball. Mm -hmm. What went into that? What put you in the position to do that? And, and what were your, you know, what was your mindset before the kick even happened? You know? Yeah. Well, the mindset that I had, I was scared. Um, this is a big game. In Seattle, you know, nonetheless. You, you know what I'm saying? This is a big game and, and we don't practice full speed. We don't practice this special team stuff full speed. And, you know, our motto was, you know, practice like a champion. So when it comes, when the championship comes, you're not scared, you're, you're ready for it. And so um, <laughs> I was scared because we didn't practice like champions. We literally walked through these uh, onside kicks all the time. You know what I'm saying? Ryan would kick it, it'll pop up. Cam will go over there and catch the ball out of nowhere and keep running and everybody follows them into the end zone. That was the whole mindset. Um, we get out there and I, you can, you know, if you watch the film, like I even put my hand down late. I've I was watched, the last it. Person to I've get watched it a lot of times. <laughs> like I was nervous. And then of course, you know, Brandon Bostic, he, I, I mean, I just think, you know, I think that was God's way of helping me out because he was my, he was my, my, my uh, task. So he had to, so I had to be his task as well. So me thinking about it, it's like, okay, I was the last person to get down. He probably was messed up from there thinking I was gonna move around or something. He had his eyes on somebody else or he just thought he was free. Um, ball gets kicked and sure enough, he didn't look at me, not one time. He just looks up at the ball and jumps for it. So I'm like, okay, well, um, the next thing that is going through my mind is, 
I need to hit the shit out of him so I can make a name for myself on special teams. Like, that's what I was thinking. Sure enough, it just bounces right off of his shoulder. Boop. And I'm like, oh, wait, hold up. Switched it up again. Like, let me just jump for this ball then. Sure enough, I jump, catch the ball, and I'm thinking, like, there's nobody there's nobody in front of me. I can just keep running and go. But I get, you know, of course, I get tackled by uh, uh, Jordy Nelson and everybody else. Um, but it was just a it was just a, a crazy experience to go from scared to like extremely happy. And I rem- and, and it all is a part of um, just trusting the process, honestly. Um, it was, I remember uh, walking up to Cam after uh, no, actually it was uh, right before the third quarter hit. It was coming out of halftime and I walked up to him and I was like, um, Cam, I got you, bro. I got your back. And he looked at me like one of those looks like, you know, like he, I, I know, you know, that I don't play much on this team. All I do is do special teams, but he looked at me and was like one of those like confused faces. And then you seen him like, I got you, bro. Puts his helmet on and he walks off. And then that happens. Uh, the onside kick happens. And he comes back to me on the other, uh, uh, on the sideline and he was like, bro, I'm going to forever cherish this. I'm going to forever cherish you. You told me you had my back and you really went out there and had my back. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm in here. <laughs> yeah. So you, I mean, you definitely made a name for yourself. I mean, you will forever be, you know, etched in NFL history as the NFC championship hero. Um, and there's a, you know, there's a lot of questions to even ask about that. Um, first and foremost, you talked about Cam Chancellor. Um, and you said you practice a lot on special teams. Did you ever line up at wide receiver against those guys during practice? I mean, the, the LOB was some dudes, you know, Richard Sherman, Absolutely. Byron Maxwell, Earl Thomas, and mm-hmm. Cam, of course. Did you ever line up against them? And if you did, who was the best trash talker and um, – you know, how did you respond to any of that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Practice was practice. Go out there and you run your run your plays and, you know, see if you can beat you, you know, see if you can beat the defense. And and that was at the time where I was like, I was still a nobody, but, uh, you know, I've been there some time and I'm trying to work my way. And it's not like I'm not good. So I w- if I wasn't good, I wouldn't even be on this field. So it was more so of like a, a second team and then first team. And I was trying to trying so hard to crack that first team. My whole and my whole thought process of I know I made it is if I can walk out the tunnel as a as a you know as a starter. That's what I was thinking about. Like, oh, I gotta be able to walk out of the tunnel. <clears throat> and so um yeah practice we used to we used to go at it all the time um me and Sharon probably went at it the most uh, it was just so it, it was it wasn't by choice it just naturally happened that way and we just you know he just made me better and vice versa like we got we you know we used to uh do one-on-ones every every day and me and Sherm, we, me and Sherm would probably go at least five times out of the whole, you know, one-on-one course, you know, where it's six of us, you know, six, seven other receivers out there. But me and Sherm probably went five times where everybody else went like 
two or three times. And uh, but the most the, the, the most the, the one person that talked the most shit was Byron Maxwell. Like I used to be like, bro, you are so stiff. I don't understand. How are you out here playing? But he like just had amazing technique and he was so strong where it was like if he catches you, it's it's over with. Like you're not going to get off on him. So that was a challenge in itself because, you know, I wasn't the, the biggest. Well, I was the biggest, but like strength wise, I wasn't the strongest or the fastest. So it was all, it, it was a competition right there of just trying to figure out other ways for me to beat this guy. I mean, they obviously made you better. Um, and before we move on to your Super Bowl performance, I do got to ask up. Uh, selfishly as a Kentucky fan, as a Packers fan. After that NFC championship, did you text Randall after the game and be like, hey, you know, I did this, you know, you guys are going home. Was it any of that? Absolutely, I did. Absolutely. I texted him right after the game, like, hey, bro, good good game, good game, man. And he didn't respond back to me till the next day, like – yeah, I, I felt the I felt the energy in the air, but you know we're we're all good. It was all good. He was happy for me for sure. He expressed that, letting me know that, um, you know, I did a great job. That's awesome. So you know, and I remember when that happened too. You know, I'm obviously just as mad. You know, I'm like, you what? How do we not get this? And then I hear like Chris Matthews unsigned free agent from, and I was like. I was like, yo, whoa, where'd he come from? So that was just, uh, that was a really, it was a very conflicting moment for me personally. Um, but but it worked out well for you. And that obviously got you to Super Bowl 49. Uh, mm-hmm. In my opinion, the best Super Bowl of my lifetime. Mm. Um, and you, you were just the star. I mean, one of the leading receivers, four receptions, 102 yards, and a touchdown. And what's crazy is those were your first, catches in the NFL mm-hmm. what was the you know what was the two weeks of practice leading up to that in preparation that was able to get you in that role for the Super Bowl well I uh, mean let me just give you a little bit of a backstory on just how I approached the game period um for one I just think that I'm the best I, I was the best person to ever touch the field like I just felt like I was a pure right receiver my pops is you know ingrained that into my head you know I would go out and practice in the summertime and catch balls with no gloves on like those were things that I wanted to make sure I can feel the you know feel the ball feel how hard it is or how soft it is the braille on it I want to feel everything and so my confidence in just playing was at an all-time high. You couldn't tell me anything different. Even if I had a bad day, I, I would still come back out the next day like I'm still the best best wide receiver you guys have ever seen. Um, so with that, going into the, the the two weeks before the Super Bowl, they were, you know, they were good. There were good practices. It wasn't like practice – um during the regular season you know because you know obviously this is super bowl we don't want to go as hard because we don't want to hurt anybody but you know we're still out here competing um you know we we were just out there playing around that's what it felt like to me um you know got to meet snoop dogg and everybody and um it was just a it was just a great atmosphere and uh, honestly even after that onside play uh 
I didn't think it was going to, you know, propel me into the position of being able to play on offense. You know, I was still the guy in the back, you know, in the back of the line, uh, maybe not all the way back there, but I'm, you know, close to it. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, leading up, leading up to those weeks, I was just running around, honestly, <laughs> just running around. I was enjoying the, the festivities. I was going to the restaurant over here and meeting up with, I remember I met Jameis Winston uh, uh, at the Super Bowl. We we're just sitting up there eating and chopping it up and, you know, just, you know, just having a good time. Like my mind really wasn't in like playing the actual game. It was just special teams and I already felt like I was good at it. Uh, John Snyder, uh, you know, he helped me uh, understand uh, the special teams role. Uh, another coach, uh, Chad, I forgot his last name, but I think he's still on the team right now as a uh, running back coach, I think. Um, at the time he was a special teams, he was a special teams assistant. That, that guy, he sat me down, we sat down with each other day in and day out just understanding what am I looking at when I'm running down this field on kickoff? Uh, who am I looking at? How, how do I know which way they're going? Things like that. Like those were the little things that I understood and I just took it upon myself when the Super Bowl came to just stick, stay on that, stay in my room, watch this. And then, you know, once I'm done with this, go out and have fun. Do you think? Um, and that's what I did. And so my number one thought process going into the Super Bowl was, uh, I know we're going to kick off first because that's just our, our motto and put the defense on the line so we can hit them in the mouth. So I'm thinking if we're going to, if that's our motto, then I need to be, to set myself apart, I need to be the first person down the field and I need to make a play, either a big hit or I need to force a fumble and have the ball turned over the other way. That's my thought process the whole time. So we get out there, we finally, we finally get out there to the Super Bowl and, you know, by now, now we know now, it was just a totally uh, different feeling. Like my mode was still catch, you know, you know, my mode was still go get the, go get the hit, go get the hit, go get the fumble, go, go, go do this. And um, I remember Ricardo Lockett, great friend of mine. Uh, you know, I remember the day before we were walking to the bus to go to practice and he had just, you know, walked up to me. He was like, Hey, you know, we're going to be the X factors in these game. Like everybody's going to be looking at Doug and Jermaine because those are only two people we throw the ball to. He was like, we're going to, we're going to probably, we're probably going to get the most balls out of everybody in this game. And I'm like, nah, bro. Like not me, not me, maybe you, but not me. They don't throw me the ball. Like I'm in practice. They don't throw me the ball. So I'm just like, you know, I agreed with him, but it was more of like a, like a reserved. Uh, it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I got you. Go ahead. Let's, 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 let's do this. And sure enough, the, 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 the first pass, um, that was me and Ricardo's, um, that was our route, honestly. Like the two weeks that we practiced that, 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 that pass, that one play, it was never designed to go deep. Every time, and I remember, and I mean, Lockett is fast. He would blow past Sherm, Earl, Cam, all the DBs would blow right past him. Boom, gone. And uh, Russ would look, 
and then he'll throw it underneath, throw the slant, throw the slant. And we completed it every time, throw the slant, complete. So I'm just thinking like, okay, yeah, whatever. That's just one play, whatever it is. Get into the game. Um, Ricardo just, just finished running. I think he ran a dig route and caught the ball uh, over the middle, got hit. And he's coming back to the sideline. I'm like, well, I'm tired. Come go, go get me, go get me. And I'm like, all right, man, I got you. And I remember I ran out there and I heard Pete Carroll's uh, voice. He said, Chris, Chris. And I'm like, uh, yeah. He was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I, he told me to go in, <laughs> you know. He looked at he looked at Lockett and Lockett was like, "Yeah, coach, I'm tired." And he's like, "All right, go, 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 boom, call the play." But I'm like, "All right, cool, just run the ball. I mean, you know, just run them off, just run the play and run them off." And sure enough, like I said, I I wasn't looking for the ball. I I honestly, you know, looking at the you know looking at the play, I probably could have kept caught it and still kept running if I had a you know just adjusted my body a different way, but it was just so routine in my mind that we never threw this ball, like just run out, just get out the way. It caught me off guard. And so when I seen the ball and I, I caught, I mean, I seen, I seen the ball in the air. I just wanted to focus on it. I was like, well, shit, if he's throwing me the ball, I got to focus. <laughs> Lights are getting in my eyes now. And I'm like, damn, like I'm about to drop the ball on live TV, but you know, just was able to make a great play. Uh, um so so before we had technical difficulties you were talking about your your first catch and I, I remember it was like you jumped twisted spun in the air caught it fell down 44 yards and at that point I think that was in the second quarter you guys hadn't scored a point yet and, and it was looking kind of stagnant for you guys um you know what what did that play do for the, the Seahawks offense and how did that help you guys get going? And you already said you played at a supreme confidence. What did that do for your confidence the rest of the game as well? Um, well, you know, for me, um, it was uh, honestly, I didn't think about anything like that. Uh, for me, when I play the game and I'm in and I'm in my, and I'm in my mode, um, everything goes in one ear and out the other. You know, I was always told as a wide receiver, especially, you know, if you're dropping the ball, just get the play out of your head, focus on the next play. So that that's, that's really, uh, you know, where my, where, you know, where my head was uh, throughout the game is okay. Even if I did good or bad, I got to move on to the next play. Um, I even remember um, after, you know, after the touchdown, um, Everybody came to me right after this, right out, right after, uh, uh, right before the halftime hit, and we're sitting on the sideline. And I remember Doug, uh, Jermaine, Marshawn, uh, who else? Uh, Bruce Irvin, all these guys came over there. It was like, bro, he's like, you might, use like, you, you having a hell of a game, like, you having a hell of a game, and you need to kick, kick your feet up and get ready to uh, ask for a new contract. <laughs> I'm like. No, nah, bro, don't worry about that right now. <laughs> get get out of my head, first off. Get out of my head. And let's focus on winning this game first because I'm a, like I'm, I'm a competitor. I want to win. I want this ring. And and to top it off, it's going to be a ring against Tom Brady. Like, so we can stop his legacy right now. That's where my mind was. Um, but 
Yeah, man, it was it was a great time. Um, I feel like, you know, it definitely uh, changed the world for me and, and my family. Uh, I didn't I, I mean, ultimately, I didn't have the career that I, that I you know, that I dreamt of. But nonetheless, um, I've made great memories, uh, you know, long lasting friendships um, and just amazing times. Well, that's what I was going to, I was going to, uh, thank you for answering that. Cause I was going to ask you how that game ended up did changing your life. But before we move on from uh, the Super Bowl, um, I, there was another play I wanted to talk about. Uh, it's the end of well, basically Tom Brady had just finished up a two minute drill. Uh, yeah. There's 30 seconds left to go in the, in the first half. Um, I think Pete Carroll, I think Russell scrambles for a few yards Um one way or another, you guys get into field goal territory with six seconds left. You know, most people kick the field goal going to half down by four because uh, the Patriots were up 14 to seven at the time. But you catch the ball right before halftime to score the touchdown, and tie it up at half. Was that play call meant for you? Like, was Pete just like, hey, throw it up to Chris and just see what happens? Or was it yeah, just absolutely. like it was the other one? It was just. No, it was it was exactly what you said it was just hey let's just he has the hot hand let's just throw it up I said, that's literally what he said he said he has a hot hand let's just throw it up and i remember he was like chris i'm you know like a kid in the candy store i'm sitting in the back but you know i'm the tallest one so i'm sitting like this like what's going on hey coach hey you need me <laughs> he was like put his arm around me which you know i you know, now before it was that was a that was a fine. You know, we uh, between us receivers. Uh, you know, if you ever get caught on camera with you know coach with his arm around you, it's a ten a thousand dollar fine. So I was already like nervous to even be seen with his arm around me. But he put his arm around me like he was my pops and was like, "Hey, we're just gonna throw you the ball up, man." And uh, you go up there and do what you do. Catch the ball. You believe in it? I was like, yeah, yeah. So, all right, man, let's go. Boom, goes out there. And I'm thinking like, okay, uh, you know, we're inside the red, you know, we're inside the red zone. Patriots, they love man to man. Probably going to get pressed. That's what I'm thinking. So I'm like, for sure, the ball is coming to me. That's that's the mindset that I had was like, okay, ball is coming to me and then we get out and then they're off by 10 yards and I'm like wait wait hold up now I'm not gonna get the ball like play's not designed for me to try to you know jump over this dude but um sure enough I was you know he didn't change the play I'm thinking that we were gonna change it to a slant or something he doesn't change the play he just hikes the ball drops back throws the ball and I'm like oh well all right let's go for it and he threw it perfectly honestly it was a it was a perfect a perfect pass that was high enough for me to jump um, strong enough for it to get there before a defender could even have a chance to, uh, you know, make a play. Uh, So, you know, you caught that ball um, before halftime. And then, you know, that was right when Twitter was about to be like Twitter, as we know it today, like Mm -hmm. rapid memes, you know, everyone's watching the big game and, Mm -hmm. Big Blue Nation Twitter is really intense, and they're all just like, you know, Chris Matthews, touchdown into the half, and, like, people are comparing you to, like, Jerry Rice and this and the <laughs> Did you see all that after the game, and what was your thoughts on that? Honestly, I didn't. I didn't I didn't see all that. I didn't I, – I stayed away from Twitter, to be honest with you, um, because it was – you know, I was – when I was in college, 
um, you know, I wasn't the most uh, politically correct person when I was on Twitter back in those days. And none of us were uh, back in those days. None yeah. <laughs> and I remember uh, Joker Phillips, he had brought me, he had, he, you know, took me out of practice one day standing next to one of uh, one of the Indianapolis Colts scouts. And um, he was like, he was like, so Chris, so tell me about, uh, so tell me about this. Pulls out a piece of paper about this long. Yeah, tell me, tell me about these. And I'm looking at him like, damn, these are my tweets. Like, where'd you get these from? <laughs> like, I didn't even know you could put this stuff on paper, you know? And uh, that right there just kind of like, you know, of course, at that time I was trying to get drafted and he was like, you got to stay off of Twitter and all this stuff. So um, at that time, um, when that Super Bowl stuff happened, I wasn't on Twitter like that. I didn't pay attention to nothing like that. And it it, it, it started to hit that offseason, um, you know, when everything was just going crazy and things was going all over the place, newsletters and TV stations and stuff like that. Um, that's when I like, I caught a glimpse of, uh, you know, what people were saying about me and and uh, how good the game was and stuff like that. So I got to call, I caught a bit of it at the end, the tail end of it, but uh, no, I didn't catch, you know, all the commotion and stuff right after it. Yeah, so so a couple of quick hitters um, about the Super Bowl. Obviously, everyone remembers Malcolm Butler at yeah. the goal line, picks it off, seals it for the Patriots. Yeah. What was your thought process when you saw that happening because I know we all saw Richard Sherman. It just looked like he had witnessed a car car wreck. What was your thought process when he ended up jumping that ball and sealing it? Uh, confused. Mm. Frustrated. Hopeful. Because I still was like, well, we probably, it's our defense. We might end up doing something and getting it right back. That's what I was thinking. Um it was, yeah, I think those are just the main, the main thoughts that were going through my head, um, you know, after that play had hit, uh, it was just, it was just a lot of, a lot of stuff that was going on. And, you know, that's, you know, once that happened and then the fight broke out and then people were just walking off the field. And I was like, that's when it set in to like, damn, we done lost this damn game. Like, how do we do this? Did it ever cross your mind that if Malcolm Butler doesn't intercept that pass, that you are possibly Super Bowl MVP? Mm -mm. I didn't think I didn't think of that at all. I mean, like I said, I heard you know I've heard, I was hearing rumblings uh, amongst the team. Uh, you know, a couple of the personnel that we had on the sideline were saying the same thing. But I, like I said, my head was one. It was everything was in one ear and out the other. Like I don't care. Like we need to win. I need to. I need this ring on my finger and then after that then cool we can talk about everything but that's not where my head was at that time well that, that brings me back to something i skipped over because we had the the technical difficulties you know they're mentioning about they're talking about contracts at yeah. halftime of the super bowl yeah. was that is that something that just goes on in the nfl or these guys just you know they're in the biggest game of their lives granted these dudes you're playing with did just win a ring a year ago mm -hmm. Was that their, like, most NFL players' thought process during a game like that? Like, oh, you know, what can I do for this contract? Or, you know, I'm sure a lot of them are, like, driven competitors. But that did that come off kind of shocking to you that they were talking about that during the Super Bowl? It did come off shocking. 
um about uh you know it did come off shocking about that but um as to answer if everybody thinks like that i i, I would say no to an extent i mean we all play this game we all know where you know you could how much you could potentially make and how it could change your life and things like that like all that is in the back of our head but i i wouldn't say that uh that's you know that's all we think about, you know, when we're on the field and, you know, just cause somebody makes a great play or they do this or they do that, like, no. And especially our team, um, I feel like our team, uh, you know, we preach, we preach brotherhood, uh, you know, with, you know, uh, my years with Seattle and I'm pretty sure they still do to this day. That's one of Pete Carroll's uh, uh, core values is brotherhood, but it just, like, honestly, out of all the, out of every team that I've ever played on, um, starting from when I was a little kid all the way up to now, honestly, that was probably the closest I've ever um, been with a team. You know, maybe it could, you know, throughout the years, maybe it was like my position group or a couple players here and there. But that was one time where we all felt like whether you like somebody or not, like that's my, you know, that's my brother. Let's stick together. Let's stay close. Let's believe in each other. Let's encourage each other. Um, and we really felt like that. And, and, and I think it worked perfectly because they had just won a Super Bowl. So they already know the recipe to winning. <laughs> so with that being said, if that's what they're preaching about brotherhood and all of this, then let me follow suit and do the same thing. And I was just trying to, you know, you know, do my part, you know, my small, my small part uh, on this team to help win the Super Bowl. That's great. You mentioned you mentioned brotherhood, which gets me to my next point. What was the mood like in in the locker room? I and mean, then that was such a deflating loss. The mood in the locker room, did anyone bring up the fact that, you know, Marshawn didn't run the ball? Did the Seahawks as a collective agree with the decision to throw the ball? You know, obviously, if it works, everyone's Pete Carroll's a genius. You know, that's that's a given. Um, but just what was the mood like in the moment with those guys, the finality of it all after such a deflating loss? It was a lot of cussing. <laughs> I can say that it was a lot of cussing. Uh, I don't want to put no names out there, or, you know, divulge any more stories after that, because honestly, uh, that was a hard time um, for all of us, but especially for, you know, players who were, you know, just, you know, right there at the threshold of like, this is probably my last go around or honestly, for a lot of us to ever get back to the Super Bowl. I've, I, I've never been back to the Super Bowl. So um, it was a lot It was a lot of emotions going on. But like I said, yeah, it was a lot of cussing and a lot of arguing, things like that. But overall, it was, you know, I mean, I feel like what a couple of days afterwards, people were, still, you know, we were all back in Seattle, you know, working out together, hanging out and chilling and stuff. So um, it was bad, but it wasn't nothing that broke us apart. Could you give us an insight of what Marshawn was saying after the game or is I didn't even Marshawn was like, a, you know, like I said, um, where I, when I realized that this game was over with Marshawn had already walked off the field, he was already gone. So um, by the time I, by the time I was able to maneuver around everybody and, 
get to the tunnel and get to my locker room, Marshawn was already dressed and ready to go. So uh, when we got in there, Pete said a word or two, uh, and then it started getting rowdy. <laughs> and then it was just like, all right, let's go. And then everybody left. So it wasn't it wasn't really too much um, talking uh, going on. Honestly, it was just you know, well, not talking, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't no conversations being had or anything like that. It was just a lot of yelling and cussing and mad and frustration. <laughs> and it just left. Everybody left. All right. Well, well, to end on a much happier note, we're going to do a couple of quick hitters and I'll let you get out of here. Um, so seven on seven drill, you know, you've got yourself, Randall, uh, Alshon Jeffrey, AJ Green, all the dudes from your era, they're going up against Jamar Chase or Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle. Who's winning that game? Oh, we are uh, me, us. <laughs> we are for sure. There's nobody, there's nobody out there that was doing, um, that was doing the things that we were doing. Um, I remember, I do remember um, watching ESPN in college and they were talking about um, wide receiver, wide receiver groups. And, you know, uh, we were in the top five, you know, of great uh, receiving groups. So um, I just feel like there was nobody out there that was ready to, to check us. Even I'm talking about uh, Stefan Gilmore, Eric Berry, um, all these great people that, you know, end up making, uh, making a great name for themselves in the NFL and so much more, but uh, we didn't, we didn't fear anybody. We didn't, we didn't worry about anybody. It was just more of like a, Hey, this is us. This is what we do. And so if you think about that, like just collectively, like Julio Jones is a, animal you know what i'm saying he was just a freak of nature aj green was another one of those uh you know looking back at it al sean uh i remember andrew childs from arkansas um it was a bunch of people it was a bunch of receivers that were out there that was just we were just good there was nothing that could stop any of us see that's that's actually a good point you make because you know the S, it's the sec there's obviously great defensive backs in the SEC sec today but you guys were going up against like Tyron Matthew, yeah. uh, like you said, Stephon Gilmore, Eric Barrett, all these guys. I remember Joe Hayden is like a good friend to you know a good friend of me now, still to this day. Now, I remember I end up going off to uh, the Browns for a training camp, and he was I think it was just his second year, and he was still trying to figure it out, and I'm trying to figure it out. And I remember I ran a route, he beat me to the spot and picked the ball off, but. Um, we were, you know, we were, you know, just understanding, you know, where we had both came from and knowing how hard, you know, we were working and we just became great friends, but, uh, shoot, still to this day, I don't even play no more. He plays. I probably still beat him. I'm just saying, you know, if you, I know he'd be out here in Encino, you know, down the street and stuff. So, I mean, if you run, if you want to put some shoes on, we can, but it's all love though. I, I, I just don't think that nobody could beat our, our, our group. All right, so I'm going to make you pick again. Uh, comparing their times at Kentucky, who are you taking? Randall Cobb, Lynn Bowden. Uh, Randall Cobb or who? Lynn Bowden. Oh, shoot. Um, Randall. Randall, still? Randall. Randall is, a, Randall is a beast. Like, there's some, there is some spectacular, you know, you know, you know how, like, 
you make plays, you'd be like, damn, I wish somebody had seen that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he did that in practice and in games. I remember he caught, I remember he caught a one-handed uh slant. Like Mike Hartline threw a, a legit dart. He throws it, he puts his arm out, catches it between two players, and then runs it in for a touchdown. Like those were just things that he did on a regular in practice. And then he actually did it in the game as well. Um I, I I don't really see too many other people, you know, I didn't really see too many other people doing stuff like that. And I've been around some great uh, wide receivers for sure. Um, so so do, you, do you still keep up with Kentucky football today? And if so, what do you expect out of, um, you know, this year's team with the new offensive coordinator? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, they add Wandell Robinson, Josh Ali. You know, what do you what do you expect from this Kentucky team? I mean, I, I expect a very high paced football game, um, football team, I'm sorry. Um, very well coached. Um, and I'm, I, I'm just, I'm just excited. I'm just excited for big blue and, and, and the, you know, and the football team and, and the fans and the community and the, you know what I'm saying? The sea of blue, just to experience, uh, you know, this new life that's coming to, you know, that's coming to Kentucky. Um, we've been doing good, honestly. Um, we've just been falling short in a couple games, which is, you know, honestly, it's, it's been pretty much, you know, our our uh, what's been going on for the past couple years uh, with Kentucky, where you know we'll look good on paper and and even on film, but it's you know those little steps of um, getting you know getting over the hump. And you know, honestly, I feel like you know these teams that you know that we're this team that we're seeing now is is potentially a team that could finally um get us over the hump and uh put us back to where we need to be all right well that that pretty much covers everything i've got for you thank you so much for joining us again super bowl 49 star uh kentucky wildcat star uh chris matthews and before i let you go if i'm not mistaken um I know that the CFL didn't play this past season due to COVID. Are you still going to play in the CFL next season or, or are you done with CFL? Yeah, no, I'm done. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually just hanging it up. I haven't like public publicly said it until now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I knew that this time was going to come, um, you know, lad two seasons ago when I was back in the CFL, uh, I, probably hit one of the lowest times in my life, you know, all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, you know, just not, you know, seeing eye to eye with the, you know, with teams and stuff like that. I just didn't like how I was being, uh, being used. So I kind of just, you know, I took a step back and I, it was, it was, you know, it was what I much needed. And now it's just, you know, watching my kids grow up. Um, You know, I'm not really, keep it honest with you i'm not hurting for you know to play or for money or stuff like that so um i'm just gonna sit back and enjoy the game to be honest with you um i know what i've done you know in 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 the work that i've put in i'm happy with it i'm happy with walking away from this game and you know just excited to see the future and you know whether you know what other people can bring super bowl 55 prediction oh the chiefs the one with the chiefs all the way over uh, Mike, wait, is that is that shade from from playing Brady and? I do not like. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, honestly, you know, now 
now that I'm sitting back, uh, I have a podcast. It's called Stafford and Matthews. Um, you know, we, you know, we talk about every, you know, everything under the the umbrella of the NFL every uh, Wednesday uh, on iTunes and Spotify and YouTube, where you know we're just talking about everything. And you know, me and Joe Stafford, we get into it all the time about um, Tom Brady and and you know quarterback situation and everything and I'm you know I'm always going against him I, I don't it's not that I don't like him it's just that it's like damn I wanted to end it you know what I'm saying and let it be something different but just doesn't happen and it's funny that you even say that you're a Green Bay fan because I, I say this all the time is that if I wasn't a 49ers fan I would be a Green Bay fan like I just love the tradition and how they get get things done and I and I and I 100% back uh Aaron Rodgers all the time. I feel like to me he's the best quarterback to ever touch the field. That's that's my stance and you know of course Joe Stafford, you know, he's always talking about, you know, he's you know, he's a Patriots fan so he's always like no but my guy has all these rings and I'm like I don't care who is the better quarterback <laughs> like that's what I want to know and he'll never admit it so I'm glad that I got a Green Bay fan that can help express this information hey I mean if you guys need me to go to bat for Aaron Rodgers I'll do that all day but I'm just saying you hurt his argument you decided to catch the onside kick no I know you were gonna win that Super Bowl and he brought it up too. He brought it up talking about he was like, You were part of one of the reasons why he hasn't been to the Super Bowl. I'm like, I listen, I get it, but who is the better quarterback? That's all I want to know. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. gotta get you on the show. We'll get you on the show, man, and let you and let you and let you uh go to bat for him, man. I need somebody on my side because I got two people on, on our team that's always going against me. I need somebody on my side. Hey, I I, I can do it anytime, but uh, yeah. <laughs> But I'm, I'm going to let you get off of here. Uh, thank you so much for joining us again. I know uh, I've said that en enough. Um, you know, it's great to have you for Super Bowl week. And like I said, we all want to see you at Kroger Field when we all can. And uh, it's been an absolute blast, man. Thank you so much. No, thank you, Britt. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I appreciate it. I appreciate this. And check out uh, Stafford and Matthews on iTunes as well. And um, that does it for uh, the Chris Matthews interview. Thank you. And peep the technique. Sweat the technique.